want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that good stuff. I'd uh, love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to my website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today we have Mike Lingle on the line today. Uh, he is the Chief Growth Officer over at EXO Works. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me to be on the uh, podcast. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to get into what you're doing over at EXO Works and how you're helping um, companies emulate um, really fast-growing companies. Um, but before we get into that, let's just start with your background. So how did you get started in business and as an entrepreneur? Uh, I wanted to be an architect, uh, so I started pursuing that path uh, and then discovered that it was going to take a really long time and it was really hard to make money. And I had gotten into some of the computer graphics stuff through architecture. Uh, and through that, I got into programming uh, and just started developing software and pretty quickly figured out that it scratched the itch I wanted from architecture. It was a combination of engineering, which was the code, but then also uh, user interface design, which if you think about architecture, mm -hmm. you're, you're guiding a user through a space. And software was kind of the same thing. It was designed, blended with engineering but I could just do it. I could hit the ground running. Uh, I, I got pretty good at it and I was building software uh, and then pretty quickly um, ended up on some big corporate accounts doing some uh, product launches for companies like IBM and Pfizer uh, and then got pulled into a project with um, the Discovery Channel actually, helping them uh, create really cool looking presentations that they used to sell the ads that, uh, you know, you turn on Discovery and see the ads, they have a whole sales and marketing group that's devoted to selling those ads. So they wanted uh, custom presentations that looked like television, but that were editable like PowerPoint. And then oh, had wow. a library feature, uh, a library feature so their marketing team could create a core of, let's say, 400 slides that was each of the programs, uh, the demographic, advertiser information behind those programs, pricing, and then the salespeople could customize based on the advertiser they were going to go talk to. And then the whole thing stayed live. So if, um, you know, if they wanted to update a number or change a program or mm -hmm. kill a program, marketing could do that in one place, push a button, and it would uh, change for every presentation in every salesperson's laptop across the organization. And we were doing this, uh, I'm, I'm not young, so we were doing this before the Internet was really the way this was done. Uh, so it was a lot of CD-ROMs and eventually uh, corporate networks um, to move the information around. But that became a whole thing that we eventually, like a really successful product, uh, that we moved on to the, into the cloud kind of early, started around 2006, and then launched in um, 2008, 2009, raised some venture capital, uh, and then that company became a company called Slide Rocket uh, that was pretty amazing presentation software in the, in the cloud uh, and was eventually acquired by VMware. Wow, that's um, so amazing. It was an so exciting you, ride. So you, yeah. Hold on. So you started that. That's crazy. 
Like I know, uh, I know what you're like, talking about. And thinking yeah. about back then, like that was that's groundbreaking to have everybody updated in terms of, and and it's the most important thing. Your salespeople out there selling it, and the year yeah. that you're quoting on this, I didn't even know that was going on back then. <laughs> right, <laughs> it was a lot harder back then. Like now we take wow. all this stuff for granted, but back then we were having to build it all by hand. Wow, that's amazing. That's right. um, so. So, you know, there's some younger um, audience listening that are just getting out of college or they're kind of trying to find their way. And you obviously transitioned from architecture to finally made it to software to um, where you're at today. What what kind of advice would you give them in kind of finding their, their path? So there's there's two real stories about the architecture thing. I think, like, I loved architecture or I loved the idea of architecture. And I worked at a bunch of different firms. And the reason I actually left architecture was I was making some, I was making like 10 bucks an hour and I asked for a raise to 14 bucks an hour. And the guy I was working for said for 14 bucks an hour, I can get in a licensed architect who's worked for 10 years already. And I said, great, then I quit. Cause like, I'm not going to do all that work just to get an extra four bucks an hour. Um, oh my so gosh. I think, yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was, uh, and kudos to all the people who do architecture, like, um, you know, I, I respect them very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of the story I tell. But underneath that, I was watching my own behavior. Uh, and I didn't, I wasn't passionate about it the way I thought I was. Once I started working, I wasn't spending my free time studying up on architecture, right? But when I, when I really got into programming, I was spending my free time studying programming in addition to the work I was doing, you know? So I think... It was a combination for me, like certainly there was a monetary piece, but really there was like a passion piece that it just, I, I hadn't found the thing that really clicked for me. And when I did, it felt different. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it completely. Um, so, you know, I guess, so then for the for the listeners, I guess the, the real thought process would be to really um, think about what your um what i don't want to use the word passion but what feels differently using your your words what 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 kind of what do you match with that makes you want to do it on the weekends or in other times when you're not necessarily getting paid um is that, is that what you're kind right. of thing that's that makes sense um and i guess yeah that and lot. that yeah go ahead no go ahead please. oh i was gonna say and that um you know that gave me an advantage like it was a disadvantage when I was in architecture because I wasn't mm-hmm. working as hard as everyone else, but it was an advantage when that when it clicked and I got into programming because then I became a really good programmer really quickly. Mm. Because no, I was putting makes... in the extra work. Mm-hmm. I get it. And, um, and I think what... part of what I did was figure out that I mean it was kind of like one of those Steve Jobs things. Like it didn't make sense at the time, but in retrospect, the dots kind of connect. Um, Because there's no direct path from architecture to programming, but I found Mm -hmm. one. And then in retrospect, programming had a lot of the things that I loved about architecture, but it was a different format that I could just run with and that I felt much more comfortable with right away. Mm, Got it. So you just matched. You just matched pretty quickly. Yeah. And it was sort of blind luck, but it sort of made sense. (laughs) I like it. No, no, I like it. It, may, it makes complete sense to me. Um, let's uh, let's change it up a bit, Mike. I want to talk more. Of, I want to spend some time on what you're doing as uh, chief growth officer over at EXO Works. So, what kind of clients do you help, and what do you help them with? 
so we help large organizations. So, so the work we do is based on a book called Exponential Organizations uh, by an author named Salim Ismail, who uh, was running something called Singularity University, which is kind of a tech mecca out in Silicon Valley, where lots of business leaders go to learn about, they think they're going to learn about the future of technology, but really what they, they hear is what's happening today and how fast things are moving and how quickly things are changing. And so it really kind of blows people's minds and Salim was in the middle of this teaching all this stuff and then started talking to all these CEOs and started seeing companies that were growing much, much faster than their peers. So they were having a 10, a 10x uh, impact versus the other companies in their field. And mm. so he started asking, what are they doing differently? How is this happening? What's going on? Um, and that's really within the book, Exponential Organizations. It's an ingredient list of 11 things that the fastest growing companies in the world are using in order to achieve that kind of performance. Um, and really it's a, it's a recipe book for the sharing economy. A lot of it has to do with tapping into resources that are outside of your organization. So if you're Marriott, you think in terms, you know, when you wanna add a hotel room, you have to build a hotel and staff the hotel uh, and it's a very, um, it's a scarcity-based model uh, versus if you're Airbnb, you're using someone else's hotel rooms, you're not staffing it. Uh, and so the marginal cost of supply essentially goes to zero. You know, the cost for Air, Airbnb to add a room tonight is zero, whereas the cost for Marriott to add a room tonight, like they can't add a room tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and then really making smart use of technology in order to do that. So half of the recipe book is focused on, you know, how do you tap into these external resources? And then half of it is, is based on uh, how do you manage those resources and use them effectively to drive uh, rapid growth. And then there's a, a unifying principle, which is the massive transformative purpose. Uh, so for Google, it might be um, uh, organizing all of the world's information. So that's the kind of thing that attracts a very passionate community, uh, mm -hmm. but it also repels people. Like some people have no interest, um, but it's great because it acts as a, as a navigation tool. So people both inside and outside the organization know how to help you. Um, and it really gets people fired up. And certainly it's that kind of thing has worked very well for Google. And what kind of companies do you work with? So we work, uh, our first client was Procter & Gamble, mm -hmm. um, which was really interesting. It was their shared services uh, IT division, which is the, the back end. It's the finance, the payroll, the supply chain, the logistics, you know, all the, all the non-sexy parts of the business. Mm -hmm. And they were already best in class. Um, so if you think of all the brands, some of which uh, Procter & Gamble has built and some of which they've acquired, they had unified all of the back end, which is mm -hmm. amazing, right? They're already amazing. best in class. And what's even more amazing is they said, at that moment, they said, okay, how can we do this even better? How do we wow. disrupt ourselves now when we're at the top of our game uh, and really drive, you know, continue to, to drive improvements in performance? So they called Salim and, uh, you know, he came in and they actually helped us develop uh, a 10-week process that we call the EXO Sprint. Um, which is really, if you think about, uh, you had this ingredient list, you know that you need to do these things, 
but you read the book Exponential Organizations, uh, and then you go back and sit down at your desk on Monday morning. <laughs> How yeah. do you actually implement these things, right? <laughs> P.S. You sound like a crazy person to your coworkers because they're like, "What the hell are you talking about? We need to sell shaving cream." <laughs> yeah, I'd be right. like, "It's Monday. Leave me alone." <laughs> right. Uh, so. Uh, Salim and Procter and & Gamble and our team created this 10-week uh, process that's really designed to crack that open and help these companies um, really, uh, you know, deliver the promise of the Exponential Organizations book. So what we do is we come in and do this 10-week process called the EXO Sprint. We form teams from the company, so it's very different than consulting. You know, if you hire McKinsey, they'll come in and give you the answers, uh, or at least what they think the answers are. Whereas what we do is we help the company come up with the answers themselves. So we form cross-functional teams. We run a 10-week process. We have a global network of 500 super smart uh, technology disruption experts that we bring into the engagement. So we supercharge the thinking of the teams and really help them break out of, uh, you know, sort of the boxes we all live in when we're sitting at our desks. But the, the beauty of this model is the teams, the company themselves, brings the industry expertise. Uh, and just as importantly, they bring the company culture expertise. So a lot of times solutions won't work within a particular organization more because of the culture than anything else. And in fact, Procter & Gamble, the guy we work with there, says they had to kill half of their pilots just because the parent company wasn't ready. He could prove it would work. He could prove it was a good idea. But the company just said no. Um, so when we use the, the company's people, we kind of crack that, that culture problem. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, and then because you have people inside the organization developing uh, these ideas that then turn into business cases, they're super passionate, which is kind of goes back to what we were talking about. So now you have people inside the organization who want to drive these ideas forward and really feel some ownership. It's not something that came from outside and people are being told to do it. They came up with the ideas themselves, uh, and they want to own it and push it forward. So we've worked with Procter & Gamble, TD Ameritrade. Uh, we just finished a project with Boston Scientific. We've worked with Visa. Uh, we've worked with Stanley Black & Decker. We've worked uh, with different companies all over the world. Uh, mm. And it's really amazing. It's just an amazing thing to watch this process and then to see what comes out the other side not just in terms of the ideas, but in the, you know, it, it transforms the company culture. And we leave behind these experts who can do this again and again. So we actually worked with um, the largest insurance broker in Mexico. It's a company called Interprotexion. They ran the sprint and they started an innovation lab uh, after the sprint. And they were able to pretty quickly uh, double their revenue, which they credit a lot to the work they did with us. Wow. And then uh, two years later, so so that's great. And you said uh, this is one of the largest carriers there, right? Like, that's big. One of the largest brokers, insurance brokers in Mexico, yes. Yeah, that's so not, a small, big, that. yeah, not that's a small number. It's not a small number. That's a huge number. Uh, and then um, what I think is just as cool is a couple years later, uh, there was a big earthquake, uh, the Pueblo earthquake right outside of Mexico City. And it turns out that most Mexicans uh, – are not insured. Uh, and in fact, there was an even bigger problem, which is if you owned an apartment and you had insurance on the apartment, the insurance wasn't valid unless the building was also insured. Mm. So all of a sudden, a bunch of people in Mexico City found out they weren't insured. 
uh, and they were worried about aftershocks. So every other insurance broker stopped offering insurance policies for two weeks. And Interprotection, because they had run the Sprint and because they had launched this innovation lab, they got their Sprint teams back together, the people who had been through this process and knew how to innovate quickly. And within 72 hours, they came up with a new product, got it underwritten by Chubb, and launched it into the marketplace. And what they did was offer two free months of um, aftershock insurance. So anyone could sign up. They got uh, thousands of people who had previously been uh, either underinsured or not insured at all. And uh, after the two months, they got a 40% conversion to paid. Um, so they were able to help people in a time of need and drive real business results, uh, all because they had this innovation skill internally. If they had had to call McKinsey, it wouldn't have happened. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, well, yeah. if somebody wants more information, Mike, what's the best route for them to find it? Uh, they can find us at exo.works. Um, and also, uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm Mike Lingle, L-I-N-G-L-E. That's like single with an L. Uh, and if you just look up uh, Mike Lingle EXO Works on LinkedIn, you'll find me and just connect to me there. All right, perfect. Well, hey, Mike, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those awesome things we do to support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you again, Mike. Have a great day.